0: Hi everyone, this is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show, and the show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. I'm really excited today to have Dr. Jeff Wall on the show. Dr. Jeff Wall is the Director of Physician Strategy and Medical Specialties at Cerner Corporation. And anyway, I'd love to hear about your story, Jeff. Most importantly, welcome to the show. Oh, Thanks, Anthony. appreciate you having me. Absolutely, absolutely. I guess, you know, take us back or teleport us back to maybe any defining moments or refining moments or any series of events or, you know, anything that as far back as it started, uh, your interest in health and just walk us through, you know, the series of events that have led you to where you're at today.
1: This is going to sound really corny but mash was my favorite tv show growing up and i always oh, thought hawkeye was like the coolest guy around so i really as a kid just wanted to be hawkeye pierce from mash but uh youtube videos now on hawkeye yeah. but i love it <laughs> yeah i'm aging myself here um <laughs> but no i actually started med school in 1983. that's this exact same year that i think the drgs were introduced and that was really kind of a that was a seminal year in medicine i remember all the old docs we're like, oh my God, this is it. This is the end of medicine. It's gonna be it's gonna be terrible from you know, the golden age is over. Mm-hmm. And, and really medicine's been changing pretty consistently ever since. And so my whole career in medicine has just been constant change. You know, when the DRGs came out, they kind of started to change the way we were paid, and then the HMO showed up in the 90s in the eighties, you know, and then we came increasingly regulated to the eighties and the nineties. You know, Bill and Hillary—I call him billary tried to reform healthcare in the '90s. It didn't work, but it kept kind of simmering in the background. Um, HIPAA showed up, you know, all the privacy stuff. Then the quality kind of showed up on our doorstep in the late '90s, early 2000s, and then healthcare reform finally did happen. Obamacare happened, and then, you know, and then this whole thing that that really is where I work now is. Uh, when the high tech that came out, or the move towards the digitization of medicine, it's just been constant change throughout my my career. Has kind of mirrored that change. So, I um I did my residency in obstetrics and gynecology. I delivered babies for 22 years mm-hmm. in both the military, private practice, um, and then did 11 years in academics. Also, and then for the past eight years, um I've been um I've been working out in industry as part of that. You know the digital health industry is how we move um from paper-based systems to digital health and then how we start to take that all that data that we've collected and you know make good on the promise of better care and lower cost i love it i love it now
0: really fascinating background and you know congratulations i can imagine um um uh, you have touched upon so much in from an not just an it or or ehr perspective but you know from the medical side and to bring that perspective this modern digital world and then to see the progression um, of healthcare where it's where it's at and where it's been is, is super fascinating I, and and you're at the ground level of that um dr wall let me let me ask you about your passions in healthcare today right so you touch upon so many different Topics in healthcare. What is captivating your attention most these days, and why?
1: Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, we um back in the uh, mid two thousands at my hospital before high tech, before any of the meaningful use or any of that stuff was out there. We decided in my department, me and one of my fellow docs, that we wanted to do all this, you know, on a computer. That we should do this on a computer. So we had kind of we had an early version of our EMR, and we. And the EMR that we were using at the time didn't have a maternity solution at all. So we decided we're just going to build it from the ground up. You know, with the tools that are in EMR. And we put together a system and we unleashed it on our clinic. And we were so proud of it. We thought it was awesome. In, in retrospect, it was absolutely awful. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, you know, built with the tools of the day, you know, an interface that looked like 1995, clunky, um, tools that didn't really um really enable the docs to work real well, but it was the best we could do. It was just, we, we couldn't separate two pregnancies from each other. So if a woman delivered and then got pregnant and delivered like a two years later, it looks like she had twins three years apart in the chart. I mean, it was just like that. Um, since then EMRs have moved them, but we got going and we started doing it. And that really got me interested in, you know, the promise of, um, what we could do if we got everybody using the computer and really that the promise of of capturing all that data Um, but really what what came home to me was is what we designed you know looking back at the time really didn't have good workflow and looking back at most EMRs at that time and still today workflow wasn't that great still isn't that great And it's been kind of a moving target of regulation you know uh, Really, for the past six, seven years, um, especially the you know after meaningful use, is that it's been hard for EMRs to to really kind of keep up with with that moving target of regulation and make sure that we push out systems that are easy to use and innovative at the same pace as the industry is being forced to change. So, I really am really really focused on. Um, like focusing on the workflow the docs are using and how do we smooth out that workflow? How do we automate whatever we can in the workflow? All that regulatory burden that you hear about in, in CMS with their patients over paperwork um, you know, initiative. How do we actually make that happen? So that we can get the docs where they don't feel like they're having to use the EMR, they feel like that EMR is just kind of that natural part of their workflow, just like the paper and pen felt natural. Right now, the docs all feel like this is something imposed. It's this extra thing that's there. So trying to get back to that, um, kind of get back to that, where the EMR feels more like a member of the care team as opposed to this horrible thing that's keeping you up at night as you finish your work.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. No, it really, really interesting and, and fascinating. Yeah. The the architecture and dimensions of, you know, the digital side and kind of like things are progressing are, you know, it's, it's, it's changing so fast. And so, you know, you're touching upon some interesting, you know, phenomenon as, as we're, we're getting into this like new, like new brave world of, of digital. Uh, Tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the things that are, that are going on that you see in digital health, Uh, obviously doesn't have to, you know, relate to, we are at today but what are what are some other things on the digital health side um whether it's you know we've 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 talked a lot on this show about ai but more specifically on a grounded label like level like you know predictions analytics yeah. uh mobile uh you know messaging um there's a yeah, lot of imaging right so yeah. tell us a little bit more on some things so, so interesting like sciences you're seeing on the digital side and and um you know what kind of interesting combinations, maybe some of these converging technologies are going to...
1: I think that, well, there's there's a lot going on, and it really crosses kind of a broad realm of a different right. thing. One thing that I'm really excited about finally happening is a focus on human factors and ergonomics Right. And design our solutions. So, you know, 10, 15 years ago, all medical software was, you know, was designed and built by engineers, and engineers are brilliant people. They can make the software do whatever it needs to do. They just, you know... Don't really know how a doctor, nurse, or pharmacist wants it to do that. So, you know, back in the back in the early days, you know, and actually until fairly recently, you know, a lot of medical software was designed. You know, somebody would give a list of requirements and they the engineers would just kind of draw it up and it left all those users scratching their heads. It's, you know, wow, this is not the way I think or work. Um, so I think Steve Jobs taught the whole world um, you know, that you can't just make it about. Function. It's got to be more about that whole experience, you know, of using the solutions, you know, your software, your devices, in ways that are meaningful to people actually picking them up and having to do work. Um, and I think seeing, you know, the really the the growth of human factors and, and across the different EMR vendors, mine included, um, you know, building teams of human factors experts, people with degrees, you know, in user action, user experience design, you know, all that. And, and then doing and getting the PhDs in human factors, doing the testing with real users to make sure that that, that interaction is intuitive um, and really kind of tuned to the way people work. So I, I see that as a big change. And you're seeing that more and more as you look at, you know, newer solutions coming out in the EMR space and also, you know, all the companies were having to look back. bring our bring our legacy things up to up to speed up to that same speed i think we're all working pretty hard to do that so i think that is really exciting and very interesting to finally get some hard science behind where the button should be placed and what color the button should be you Mm -hmm. know that interaction and that and that really starts to play into the mobile space because you know 10 15 years ago all we had were desktop computers and really heavy hot laptops but now we've got People are using their phones. They want to use iPads, different sizes. They want to use laptops, and sometimes they want to use a desktop. Mm-hmm. So, being able to see that responsive design, you know that's been that's been out there for a while. You know, just in web development, starting to come over to the EMR side, so that you know your EMR knows the device you're on and responds appropriately, and gives you an optimized experience for that device. That's that's really cool. But that's just that. So, trend. you know, what, what yeah. how do you how do you,
0: Dr. Well, how do you view like maybe like on, on that similar note, like AR, VR or what they're calling MR, right? Like, so for doctors in the hospital that need to kind of keep heads up, but maybe the visual display of that data in real time, you know, yeah. can help people communicate. All do you right. see, yeah. do you think we're, we're like, you know, 24 months away from some of that? I know it's starting, right? Like, yeah. well, it could
1: have started years ago. I got really excited when Google Glass came out. Right. And for some reason, kind of like the creepiness factor. You yeah, know? yeah. People got totally freaked out by Google Glass, but I immediately said, wow, when I was in the operating room, I so could have used that, you know, middle of a C-section and somebody else in labor is having a problem. I could look at their fetal monitor strip while I'm operating or pull up x-rays or lab results, that kind of stuff, or any procedure where you've got to stay hands-free or even just using that Google Glass. If you're in a remote hospital, you know, being able to, you know, yeah use it for telehealth so that, you know, I could call another doctor and they could see exactly what I see and hear that same conversation. I think there's a lot going on. and I, I'm really excited for stuff like HoloLens, you know, and all that other stuff. I think the creepiness factor will go away. Right. Time, you know, and I think we'll start to see more and more of that come in. And I really look forward to that, you know, especially in medicine so much as hands free where you have to. You're either got to have your hands on the patient because you're doing chest compressions or something else or you're sterile. So you can't touch anything. So we actually have to bring, you know, that into, out of the operating room, but also into the patient room and all different parts of the hospital. So, yeah, I see, I I really look forward to that. I think there's a lot of technology out there. We just need to kind of move on it. And like I said, we need to outgrow the being creeped out by people wearing you know the glass or,
0: or i'm right there with you yeah i'm right there with you it's like you know obviously before the iphone there was the blackberry right there always has to be the predecessor that right. kind of places the trade uh, i'm very bullish on the hollow lens i don't know why i don't know what's about it but um so we'll see if that's gonna be you know maybe a winner but um i am optimistic i have a vision of like the next 120 days of getting a hollow lens and like Going on the beach and being able to like just go on the beach (laughs) and stare on the horizon while while I sign, while I look at send
1: out proposals and sign investment documents. I think stuff like the HoloLens where it's augmented, where you can overlay things. Yes. What you're saying. I think, you know, back. That has some real potential. So if you're you're operating and, you know, the patient's anatomy doesn't look right, overlay maybe what normal anatomy should look like to help you mm-hmm. kind of figure out maybe the relationships or what that x-ray was, overlay the x-ray, the ultrasound of what you're seeing, or just being able to look at the patient and pull up other things that put, put some context around. I think that is really compelling.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's exciting. I I I I'm very you know, and obviously you're at the ground level of this, right? So the convergence of that happening and the supporting data of use user experience to enable this, I I think it's such an under undervalued, underestimated. Um, it's a redefinition of reality, right? And then you know the underlying elements will will work itself not work itself out, but predictions. You know, the machine learning, doing deep learning, the imaging side, the radiology side, that converging, getting better, better decisions quicker, and then you so they can optimize their time flow better. Um, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Dr. Wall, right, it's about changing people's lives. And so the compound effect of that is like, wow, might be able to make a lot more people healthier and heal a lot more people. Sooner, better, faster, you know, higher further, faster. So um it's it's super exciting. I guess let me ask you a question about so you are um probably in this interesting area of like digital medical. You probably are doing some really interesting things on a daily, weekly basis to stay resilient, to lead the charge in what you're doing. Um, tell us about one or two things that have made the difference for you in
1: your own personal health that you do that you can share with our listeners. (laughs) <laughs> well, geez, I was the definition of burnout. I came from mm. probably the last generation, or one of the last generations, of medicine before work hour restrictions came into residency. So, in my generation, we just—when I was in practice, we just worked, we worked, and we worked. And um, you know, I. I I worked on average a 60 hour a week was, was, wow, that was great. I only had 60 hours. The average was 80 to a hundred hours a week. That was just kind of the life Mm -hmm. back on that. My kids are all grown now, but um, Mm -hmm. I can look at the relationship. My wife has with the kids and it's so much richer than mine is because I was just always at the hospital. I was always working. You know, a lot of my Mm -hmm. memories of my kids are from watching the um, watching videos because I may not remember that, Particular school show or concert, but I could probably tell you the woman I delivered that night. You know, mm-hmm. so remember that? Uh, when I look at the younger generation, the kids coming out, the millennials, they they just have a different different idea it's not you know they're redefining their life is i yes i'm a physician and i have a mission with my patients but i also have a personal life and i'd like to live that to its fullest and i really you know when i look back the expectation was work hard patient first and you know you're always going to put the patient first in practice but i would go back and do it differently and i I think the millennials kind of have it right putting a lot more of the um Putting, you know, trying to find that balance between their personal and their professional life, taking that their productivity, their medical productivity and kind of balancing that between, you know, being a really great physician and having a great life where you take care of your family and your kids and your own personal health. So, you know, um, you know, that. For me, the, the change from practicing in you know medicine, moving the industry kind of helped me do that to to kind of write that I was maybe a little bit late. My kids were you know pretty much grown by then, but it's also given me the chance to kind of look back and, and really over the past, you know, and, and look at the quality of my health and what I was doing, you know. Um, so and unfortunately, I ended up on some blood pressure and some cholesterol meds, but I mean, I'm trying to take better care of myself, you know, mm-hmm. I just, at that point in my life where I really need to do that yeah think about in your 30s and 40s when you hit your 50s you know you go oh geez like i'm an old guy now right (laughs) right so so i think like i said i think the millennials think about that earlier now than we used to when they're looking for that balance um, right that harmony in their life and i i think that's great it probably means we're going to need more docs out there maybe because they're not going to work maybe they are not interested in working as long as they're interested in working just as hard to take great care of the patients just not the same amount of hours maybe right so but uh but i think they're gonna have a better i see my own kids and i I see a better balance in their life um, yeah than i did
0: yeah It it does seem like there's an underlying sense of in in new society, current modern society of like projecting more about balance and giving a little bit more sense. It could just be the media making it out there. But then there's this also counter this other movement of just like bombardment of different messages. Obviously, before we hit recording here, right, we have you and I both have to turn off all the different types of messaging we potentially could get, you know. So and that's a really um, which is, I, you know, I, you know, a lot of people believe that's that is the reason why, you know, we we, we need better, um, you know, mindfulness techniques these days. I guess let me let me ask you about burnout. So we we've had yeah. different we've had different. Um, so Dr. Wall, we've had different perspectives of uh, CEOs on the show. Uh, I had a, a trauma head of trauma for UCSF and, and Zuckerberg Hospital on the show yesterday, and so. These dimensions of like individuals like yourself that have gone, you know, delivering babies left and right, have your family life, you know, the human body, the human mind is not designed to do kind of like what you do, what you have done. And so when it comes to burnout, dealing with micro trauma, what's the difference that makes a difference? Like, you know, I run a, I run a, you know, a health technology company, right? And so if I went through burnout and cool confession, I think I have like along the way, but I've had to plow through. I think I've recovered. I know what I, I had to go through, you know, it's a lot of mental resilience, meditation, working out like a Navy seal, and somehow, some way, you just plow through. But what's a difference that makes a difference in, in if you were gonna advise someone else, or maybe it's a family member and they're going through burnout, what's one thing that would help them or what, what you would give advice to?
1: You have to say no you got to learn to say no and yeah and in I'm medicine that you know for a long time that wasn't we you know an acceptable thing to say no you kept piling the workout you know burnout is kind of the hot topic in medicine right yeah. now if you actually yeah. go back and you look at the literature you go to pubmed and you just do a search for physician satisfaction there it'll graph the number of articles by year on physician burnout and really it's been a steady it looks like probably it's a mathematical curve in the number of articles since 1989 mm-hmm. or so and the rbu showed up through now um so it's become an increasing topic you know and it, it really kind of parallels a lot of the changes in medicine in the ways that we were we've been paid the regulatory things that we've had to do um the hours we work and all that um and as docs we just always have said yes yes yeah we'll, i'll take that patient i'll see that extra patient yeah bring her in kind of thing um and it's it's being able to say no and to to puts kind of you know to kind of really just say you know i've kind of hit my limit i don't think i mm-hmm. i think i could maybe go further but maybe i shouldn't go right further and do more and right. for me that's that's always been a very hard thing to say no you know that last patient who calls and says oh my god i just i gotta i gotta see it today and you're like all right okay we'll get you in it's another one and then you're home late for dinner so Mm -hmm. i would say for burnout um it's saying no but also though like and you alluded to this earlier things like ai you know and ml and all that stuff have the potential to impact that burnout a lot by kind of offloading some of the um, more mundane things we do. I mean, I don't think any of that's ever going to replace a human physician. There's always, always going to be a need. People are always going to want to see a doctor. You know, they're going to want a human touch to look somebody in the eye. But using a lot of that machine learning, we can start to do things, you know, in medicine. we And with all this data, start to find things and maybe offload some of the cognitive things that we do um, mm-hmm. from the physician and maybe better um, parse those out to other people in the practice, including nurses and nurse practitioners or physician assistants and allow the docs to kind of use their, their skills maybe at a different level in a different way. Um, I also think the AI is also going to really kind of help automate some of those processes in the background. Maybe we'll get to that part where I never have to pick up a keyboard or a pen and And, you know, there's like an an Alexa or a Google, you know, in the room or something like that. Just listening and building the narrative and building the experience um, between the patient and the doc to make that, to really smooth that out and make it easier. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's kind of the nirvana state is a doc walks into the room and they never have to. The only thing they ever have to touch is a patient as part of their physical exam. They never have to order a tool. That would yeah. be great. Yeah. And we're starting to go there. I mean, we've got their people out there working on it across the industry. And, and I think when that happens, it's it that'll be the disruptor. Probably. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. We're getting there. You know, just removing all these unnecessary elements, these admin tasks, and, and anything that's not needed. And, you know, just 100% keep, you know, focusing on the patient um, is, is, is it, you know, I guess along those lines, right? So like where we're going, you know, tell us a little bit more about um, your vision for healthcare in the future. Like, you know, the, the vision, you know, in your heart that we are marching towards the, you know, the one you see coming to fruition, the future of healthcare, according to <laughs> Dr. Uh, Jeff Wall.
1: Wow. That's, that's a tough one. You know, I am um, in medicine. I like to say that we're trained To look for movement around the edges there's a there's this scene in um uh in jurassic park the first one where the kids are like hid hiding in a tree from the Mm t-rex t-rex is sniffing around but it can't see them because the t-rex's vision is attuned to movement as long as they stay still you know he can't see them he can't see the movement Mm -hmm. and really in medicine so much of what we're we do is we don't we're, we're looking for the movement, kind of like the T-Rex. We're looking for when the patients come in, you know, the vast majority of what we do in medicine is same patient, same conditions, different face, different name, it's just routine. And that's in, in med school, and your residency training, you learn how to take care of that. And what we're looking for is the movement around the edges. That thing that says that, wow, Anthony Diaz, he should be just regular, but something's different today that concerns me he's a little bit out that's Mm -hmm. that movement um and uh i i would like to see that in the future that we've used the technologies to kind of find the routine in the middle and we've automated that so that i can better focus on the things that are different about anthony diaz that movement that says you know i got to do something a little bit different with him Mm -hmm. because this and this and that And I think as we do that, we'll start to get better outcomes because that'll give us time to really focus in on, on the subtleties of care, Mm -hmm. you know, with everybody. And that's, that's the promise of technology. Now, I think that doesn't happen without payment reform. Right. Going forward, you know, in the old days, you know, in the fee for service, all I had to do was see the patient. Didn't matter how many times I saw the patient. Or even if they got better now, why a patient would come back to a doctor if they weren't getting better. But as long as the patient came back, we took a copay, we billed the insurance, and it really didn't matter if they got better. But in the future, as we reform that, so we change that, we'll still reward you for working hard and seeing the patients, but your patients need to get better. And I think. That's where the promise of technology comes in also with this is that we change the focus away from just your numbers. How many patients do I have to see in a day? How many babies do I have to deliver in a month? How many operations do I have to do every month in order to make book in my practice to bring home a good living to how much time can I focus on the patient you know and still bring home a good living and really impact their care in a more meaningful way And that's kind of that's where to me, Um, where medicine and technology come together in the future into helping me better focus on the patient, what they're the unique thing around about them is that movement automating the routine stuff in the background and really kind of building more of a personal relationship that's focused on outcomes and value.
0: I love it. I love it. You know, so this is so great. I mean, so great. And, 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 well put and so yeah i i am very enthused to live in that future right and so this is really exciting i appreciate that illustration um and uh let me ask you uh dr wall um on that note i guess um well first of all as you work on so many different things love to have you back on the show go deeper on a couple of topics we talked about but for our listeners out there, what would be a good way for them to engage with you if they would like to, you know, reach out to you and say hi?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, just email me, you know, yeah. directly if sure. they want. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Um, jwallkc at gmail.com. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, happy. Uh, awesome. I'm usually pretty manic about my email. Um, <laughs> so it's hard to go to bed with emails in the box. So typically, you know, I'll, I'll answer back
0: in a couple yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure you'll get some other physicians and and other people in this
1: field that reach out to you and just. I'm sure I'll get people who agree and disagree with me too. Yeah, yeah. the the digital world of medicine um, uh, is—it's got a lot of contention in it from the believers, unbelievers, and people. You know, just there's a lot of contention. Physicians, we all have an opinion. You know, three different physicians, five different opinions. So yeah, it'd be good to hear from folks. I'd love to hear from folks.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Good, get get that good, healthy debate going, right? <laughs> so. and, that, and
1: actually that's what we need to do is we need to talk about it. We need to educate, you know, everybody about what are we really trying to accomplish? You know, right. through the day, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to move? And I think it's kind of like American politics. As long as everybody's off in their own little camp, you know, um, nobody's actually come to the middle and come to the table and talking about what's the right thing. For medicine what's the right thing for the patient what's the right thing for the doctor how do we meet in the middle and really start to hash that out absolutely
0: absolutely absolutely no this is great dr wall so i, I really appreciate it um thank you so much for being on the hey, show I, yeah, yeah thank
1: you thank you for having me i appreciate yeah. it yeah and
0: welcome. and to our listeners out there this is the pop health show the shows for people that are strongly passionate about health Uh, Dr. Wall, thank you again for being on the show. This was great. Take care. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too.
1: See ya.